what if in our classes we swapped places? Ooh, that would actually be really yeah. cute. Yeah? 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 I think they could do I that. I want to go to my classroom. A little, like, Lindsay Lohan moment? Yeah. Yeah. The Parent Trap episode, coming soon to Instagram, Spotify, and all those other places near you. This is The Steely Podcast. Okay. Welcome back to The Steely Podcast. Engage with us. On today's episode, we did our own version of The Parent Trap. Now, we don't have any Lindsay Lohans in the room, but we do have some folks who switched classes for a day. Or I guess not switched. Did you guys switch classes, just go to classes with friends? Um, Tell me a little bit about what happened. Yeah, we went to each other's classes. Ooh. So that was a fun little exercise. Okay, so if you don't mind, just going around, say who you are and then which class you went to and with whom. Okay, I'm Jada. I went to Sex in America with Jess, and it was it was pretty cool. Yeah. Awesome. And then who else went to a class? Um, um, I'm Zariel, and I went to Black Playwrights with Jada and Sex in America with Jess. Ooh. And I also went to Black Playwrights, which was Jada's class. So cool. So it wasn't exactly Parent Trap, I guess, because we didn't like actually swap places, and there are no twins in this room. Mm-hmm. But... Tell me about your experience. What was it like going to your classmates' class? Especially like halfway through the semester. So like you kind of were just dropped in the middle of it. Yeah. I feel like it wasn't, or at least for me, I didn't feel like it was that big of a transition. I didn't feel like I had no idea what was going on in the class or anything like that. It was really just like the professor going over the PowerPoint and like going through like basic queer information in America, which was cool information. Yeah. So this was a sex in America class? Yes. Okay, okay, got you. Yeah, I think for me, because both the classes are different from what I'm taking this semester, because I'm in like all kinesiology, so mm. it's all science, nutrition, both the classes weren't like that. So I actually found them interesting. Um, the sex in America class, I feel like I could take, I don't know, I felt like the information was like easy to digest, um, so I feel like that would be like an inter- interesting class I could take next semester, just like something different from science. Mm-hmm. I, when I went, I thought that the discussion in the Black Playwrights class was really interesting, but the reading was like, I was not catching on to the reading, <laughs> and I was like, what's going on? So I was a little nervous going in, but I thought it was good once I was there. So what did you guys prep? To, like, what did you guys do as prep when you were planning on going into these classes? Did you do the assignments for that class, or did you just kind of go in like cold turkey, just gonna find out what happens? I think for justice class at least there wasn't like much prep, but for my class, um, it is like a discussion based class, and we have weekly readings or like readings to like be done at the beginning of every class period, and they're generally pretty short. Like the reading for this class was only like eleven pages. And it is, it was a little different than normal. Like, we do, like, the class in sections, and, like, the section we were on was absurd theater, so it was definitely different than, like, normal. Like, before that, we read, like, Raisin in the Sun and Othello, Mm -hmm. so it wasn't, it wasn't as, like, hard to digest. Yeah, um, we, uh, Jada sent us the reading for the Black Playwrights class, and 
I don't know. I felt like I could understand it. Um, it was interesting. Yeah, I was I just like I understood it too. Yeah, I don't get it. I don't yeah, no, I'm not <laughs> um, I don't know. It made me like interested in going to the class and just seeing how they were going to discuss it and how they were going to talk about it after reading it. So I was like definitely interested in seeing um, like how the class was going to go. Yeah, absolutely. And now, did you guys just so that way our audience, our lovely audience who's listening, can have a better idea? Did you guys let your professors know mm -hmm. that you were bringing an extra person to class, or was it just kind of like a surprise? Yeah, I didn't let my professor know. My professors, um, she's very like, she's very welcoming to new people, and I also feel like. Like, I would have let her known because she is the kind of person that I feel like would have appreciated some further notice. But I also, she's also the kind of person that doesn't really regularly check their emails. So I didn't feel like that would be much of a big deal to, like, just show up with more people. Got you. And then how about you all? Yeah, I also did not, like, notify my professor. Um, that class is, like, in my opinion, really chill. Um, I feel like he he always um, like records the lectures and mm -hmm. puts them on mm -hmm. Blackboard like after, so like if people miss class that they can you know catch it, and so I feel like also maybe a, there was a little bit of anonymity and like you guys totally could have been taking the class and just like not shown up yet and like he wouldn't have known so <laughs> yeah I don't think he really noticed all that much. Gotcha. Yeah, because I'm not in either one of those classes. I just mm -hmm. like felt like. With Jess's class, um, the professor, he just didn't say anything. He just kind of looked at us, like, looked around the class, and was like, mm, okay, we're just going to keep going. <laughs> but when we got into Jada's class, the professor was like, oh, there's new friends. Like, she noticed who we were, so, like, she knows who the students was in her class. So she did say something about it, but it wasn't like she was, like, mad or, like, why are you all here? Get out type of thing. That's awesome. Okay, so just to set the scene, professors weren't notified. You guys went to each other's classes together, prepped a little bit, you know, had done readings if there were readings, and then you sat through these classes. Now you are all different majors, different backgrounds when it comes to like the types of classes you take. So tell me a little bit about how it felt. Maybe if you don't typically take, you know, humanities classes, it seems like both of these were more humanities courses. How did it feel to be in that environment? Um, I, when I was an undergrad, that was pretty much all the classes I took. So like that discussion based class is so familiar to me, but perhaps maybe if that's not something you typically do, what did you think of it? Um, well, I'm a chemistry major, but I do tend to take like at least one humanities class a semester. So it wasn't like really that far out of my wheelhouse. Um, going in the sex in America, I was actually like really excited to see like what the class was like and like what we'd be talking about. Um, I don't want to say it was underwhelming, but it was, it was just like a PowerPoint and it wasn't like as engaging, I would say, as my class was. I would agree with that. I think, uh, well, it was actually a little bit funny because Jada's class is taught by um, Dr. A, who I have for another class this semester. Um, for my capstone, actually, because I do take a lot of humanities courses because I am a humanities major, and I, that's basically m the majority of what I take. Um, I forgot where I was going with that sentence. <laughs> I think that the um, that class is... Dr. A likes to have a lot of engagement in her classes, likes to have a lot of, like, discussion and, like, actually, like, learn from her students. Um, and I think that... Uh, Jay, who teaches sex in America, is also like that, but 
kind of has a more rigid structure to their class like does does the powerpoints monday and wednesday and then has like all the discussion on friday mm -hmm. so it just really depends on when you go and like yeah like you're sitting and just looking at a powerpoint for like two days two out of three days a week but like then you really get to like think about, sit on that information and then on friday you can really like get into it with the other students and for me i don't take any humanities classes i don't think i've ever taken one i've usually just been like science and all that i need a um, brain break yeah i was gonna say it, it was nice being in the class because i felt like it was just different from what i'm used to taking mm -hmm. um i wouldn't mind taking a class i actually could have uh, signed up for one this semester if i wanted to take something extra but i feel like just always taking so many science classes is already just overloading. But now like having gotten the experience, I might try to look into taking one of those classes next semester, just for like a little break or something different. Yeah. Okay, so now my next question for you three, what surprised you most about the class that you were in? If there was something, if there wasn't anything, that's okay. But was there anything that like you weren't expecting that kind of like stood out to you? It could be a positive or maybe it could be a more critical thing. For some reason, I don't know why, but I just expected like there to be a lot of people in the class. I feel like for the room that we were in, we were in like one of those rooms in Blair and it, it wasn't like as crowded as I expected it to be. I don't know why like that's something I expected, but yeah, it took me it's a little because the class is hard to get into. Um, I like tried to get into Sex in America last year and I was like, I think that it was like full by the time that like, like well that's what I was thinking like it sounds like open. one of those classes that like people really want to try to get into yeah. so I'm like oh this room is going to be full of people that like just really want to take the class mm -hmm. but there was like so many like empty seats and I was like oh yeah well maybe I don't know I think there's usually like a few empty seats at least I don't I think we had like a room change like we were supposed to be in a smaller room mm -hmm. and then like we actually had like more people than that room could fit, so then we moved to like a bigger room. Um, but yeah, I don't know. We can always like like physically squeeze more people in, so I don't know why more people weren't like let into the course. I guess maybe it's like like grading yeah. for the professor, like that takes extra time and like. Yeah, I once had a professor tell me, um, this was for an English, cl English class, but she said every extra student she let in was an additional 10 hours of work a week. So that gave me a different perspective on like professors and the amount of like students they have in their classes. I was like, oh my goodness. So that could be why. Yeah. Um, I think for me, I guess kind of similar to Jada. I just feel like at the school, classes that are like about sex and like sex studies or religious studies just seem like they're something everyone wants to take. So I guess. I just feel like all those classes would be like full, exciting, all of that. But this class was just like, it's very chill and not that full. So I was like, hmm, it's just kind of different than what I was like thinking, just going off like the, I don't know, stereotypes and like perspective of like how you see the students on campus. Mm -hmm. On a little bit of a different note, I thought it was interesting. It, I was kind of comparing Jada's class to my class because they're that I have with Dr. A. So mm -hmm. they're both with Dr. A. And I felt like Jada's class was a lot more engaged, which is interesting because like, I feel like that class is a mix of like underclassmen and upperclassmen, whereas my class is like all upperclassmen that are 
like that's like our capstone class Mm -hmm. so it's within their major it's for their major but like we have a lot less like active discussion and I don't know if that's just because of the topics or we're all nerds or (laughs) whatever that is but I thought it was really interesting that like I felt like there were a lot of people in that class that like had a lot that they wanted to say yeah I think that's mostly because like our class is very diverse between like Mm -hmm. what year you're in and like major like I'm a chemistry major but like I'm still taking that class and there are like a really good mix of majors within the class so I think everyone like coming in was really excited to just like dive into something that they weren't really like familiar with yeah. yeah, I would tend to agree with that. I think, like, when I reflect on the classes I took, the ones that were, like, the most engaging and had the most participation were often classes where there was a wide range of, like, social class years because I think, like, I don't know, when I was a freshman, I was, like, so excited to be in every single class. Like, I wanted to give 150% to everything. So I probably, like, talked way more than I should have. Um, but, you know, I think when you have, like, a bunch of different ages in a class and also a bunch of different disciplines, it brings a lot of unique stuff to the table. And then also, like you said, Jada, like, they're really excited because if you're a bio or a chemistry major and you're taking, like, a literature course, it's usually because you really are interested in the topic and, like, you really want to dive into it and it's different from what you're used to. So, yeah, I, I can see that. I can see that happening. <laughs> This is the Steely Podcast. Engage with us. Find it hard to talk to your students? Start with us. This podcast is all about conversations with students and faculty. Okay. Um, My name is Kelsey McAllister. I'm a student partner here at Steely, and I have Dr. Andrew Jeske and Jess, our other student partner here in the podcast studio today, to talk about a little experiment re ran here with some of our student partners. So I'm going to let you both take the floor. Um, maybe Dr. A, you can start, talk a little about who you are, what your role is at the college, and then we'll pass over to Jess to talk about how you are involved in this podcast. Hi, I'm Dr. Andrzejewski. I'm a professor here at William & Mary in the English department. I was hired as um, a Shakespeare professor to teach early modern drama, but I found myself teaching more in critical theory, so critical race studies and gender studies. So I teach everything from Queer Histories and Hauntings, the senior seminar that Jess was in with me, um, to Black Lives in Shakespeare, to Acts of Care in British Literature, to Black Playwrights. So I'm a little all over the place. I'm a generalist, but um, I love it here. Um, I came here from the City University of New York um, Graduate Center um, in 2019, right before the pandemic. And so I've been here for about three years now, three and a half Awesome. And Jess, how, how are you playing into this podcast? Um, I'm Jess. I'm also <laughs> a student partner here at Steely. Um, last semester, um, I sat in on another one of Dr. A's classes. I was already in one of your classes, but um, I sat in on a class uh, that Jada was taking at yeah. the time. Was that Black Playwrights? That was Black Playwrights, yeah. Um, so I sat in. I had um, Jada and Zariel also come into one of my classes. And I think we were just kind of going to do a little bit of, like, a comparison about, like, how different professors, like, conduct their classes, what's the most engaging for us personally, what we think is, you know, engaging for students overall. Um so that's kind of why we 
why we snuck into each other's classes. <laughs> um, but yeah. Yeah, I think um, Grace, someone who works at Steely, she coined it the parent trap. I kind mm. of think of it as bring your coworker to class day. <laughs> um, but whatever it is, I thought it was really interesting. Dr. A, did you know that this experiment was happening? In- no, but I was very happy to see Jess that day. <laughs> and then you had to sit in two of my classes mm. in a row, right? <laughs> did you know that Jada's class was that I was teaching it to? No. I was, Jada was just like... <laughs> Here, like, my my class times, I was like, this is the one that, like, works best with my schedule. Like, I don't have a class conflict or mm-hmm. a different conflict. So I was like, let me just show up. And she was like, yeah, I'm like, my professor's, like, pretty chill. It's, it'll probably be fine. I was like, perfect. And I just show up. And I was like, oh, oh. okay. <laughs> but it was interesting that you got to see the different dynamic in that class because, um, you know, it's easy to kind of think that a professor can get the same kind of engagement and no matter what the class they teach is. Um, But it's always a little bit different depending on the energy and the vibe of the class. So I always joked in the later class that Jess was actually in, you know, it was quieter and I was always like, you all have to help me out. You have to help me out. Um, and the other class, there was no issue with anyone ever talking, you know, so um, it might have ended up being a good experiment in that way to kind of just see the different vibe of the two two classes I was teaching. Yeah. Yeah, um, kind of going off that dynamic, that's actually something that we brought in all the girls who were in the experiment, um, and they had a podcast about what they felt, they bounced off each other, um, what they agreed and disagreed. But something that kept coming up was that in your class, there was this level of class engagement that maybe might not be typical or just exuded this inclusive environment. So I'm kind of wondering how, as a teacher, do you go about establishing that kind of environment early in the semester? Yeah, there are a number of strategies I have. You know, um, I take my pedagogy from Bell Hooks. Uh, She has a a book called Teaching to Transgress, and there's a moment in there where she talks about vulnerability in the classroom, and she says that professors in general need to practice vulnerability because we can't expect our students to be engaged and make these deep emotional connections to texts if we don't model that for them. So I try to be um, as engaged to model a kind of personal engagement with the literature, which means that, you know, I share appropriate experiences about my life, emotional connections. Um, So that's at the heart of my pedagogy. But then there are little things, too, like I start each class asking students to share good things that have happened to them. Um, since last class. So we all kind of start off, you know, celebrating each other or getting to know each other. It's everything from I pet a dog today to I got into medical school, you know. And so that's a nice way to sort of set the tone for um, low stakes, you know, people talking about good things that have happened to them. Um, I would say, too, that my general expectation or, you know, my hope is that students will come in having read because reading is key to being engaged and that kind of good engagement. So I do have um, reading quizzes. They 
they function as uh, low stakes writing assignments, so they're not gotcha quizzes. They're not like on page three, the name of this character's dog was X. Um, they're more like what moment was most memorable to you from the reading today? What really resonated? Um, or, you know, making connections across, across um, texts or class discussions. And I find that that sort of helps us all come in on the same page, like literally having read. Um, and then I also, you know, I have heard from students that in some classes there are wrong things you can say or right or wrong answers. And I encourage mess in my classrooms. Like I like messy, unformed thoughts, you know, um, uh, more of a playful kind of environment. I try not to put a lot of pressure on my students to say the right thing. Um, I'm just generally um, and genuinely interested in what they think and what they have to say. So I think those are some of the basic ways that I encourage engagement. You know, I, I won't say that it's all planned out. I have a lot of affection for my students, and I do genuinely care what they think and what they see in the text. Um, in that Black Playwrights class, there's one text I teach, Desdemona by Toni Morrison. And in hearing from my Black students about their readings of it, I realized I had kind of completely missed the point. So I'm really open to what students have to say. And my opinions on literary texts and my readings of them change listening to students, and I think students can pick up on whether or not professors are hearing them um, and genuinely are interested in and care about what they have to say and that they are a part of the knowledge production in, in the classroom. I mean, it's just not my style to stand up there and lecture um, and impart my so-called expertise <laughs> to students. Um, I want a more dynamic classroom than that, and I want knowledge production to happen um, all around. So I think students pick up on, on all of that, and that's, that's why gen generally um, students feel comfortable engaging and participating in my class. This is the Steely Podcast. Engage with us. Um, next question I have for you all is we're going to kind of go around and I want us to like verbally create a like pluses and like maybe critiques list. You know, when you reflect on these classes that you went into, first off, uh, make sure to remind us which class it was. And then I want you to maybe give me a couple, one or two things that you feel like the class did really well, the professor did really well. And then maybe one or two areas that you saw as you know, could use a bit of improvement or you give some like helpful criticism for. If you need a minute, you can take a minute. I'll give us some like commercial music. <laughs> do, 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 do. Um, I think I can speak on the Just Class Sex in America. Um, the like pluses was that, I don't know, the topic was just interesting. I feel like that class would just have a lot of different interesting topics. Um, but like for critiques, I don't know. I, I hate class. Uh, hate is such a strong word, but I hate classes that where the professor literally stands up there and reads exactly what's on the PowerPoint, because then I feel like you're not really giving us extra information. Like we could just read the PowerPoint ourselves if you're just going to repeat the exact same 
you know, thing. So maybe if the professor actually added some information to the, like, content that they're, like, talking about in class instead of just, like, reading exactly what's on the slides. Yeah, um, for justice class, I feel like a pro was definitely, like, uh, like, just the information that he went over in the slides, it was very, like, diverse in terms of, like, we talked about multiple different topics within the same class. Like, we talked about, like, transgender issues and then also disability, which I thought was really cool. But then I guess at the same time, that could have been a con because, like, I feel like those are two separate things that could have been mm-hmm. more, like, sort sought out in terms of, like, those two things could have been, like, two whole different classes. But he kind of just, like went over it like very like briefly I feel like yeah I think uh going into Jada's class one of the things that um I really liked and this is just something that I like about what Dr. A does is like someone was giving a presentation and she like was very encouraging of that and like showing like verbal agreement Mm -hmm. and then like when people were making like comments in the class like she'll either like respond or be like yes and like you know take the approach of like encouraging her students like as they're you know sharing their thoughts and ideas and I think that's a really positive environment to be in um I don't know I don't know if I have a, a con other than it the the discussion maybe could have been like more structured i feel like when it's really loose there there are pros and cons in in that of itself um but i always like to feel like there's at least like some like guiding question some overarching question Mm -hmm. that like you can come back to if you like struggle with participation Mm. yeah and i think that can be helpful sometimes um i know we talk about it still occasionally you know instead of just asking do you have any questions you know framing it as what are you know a couple questions you might have about this topic or what are some things that might be confusing when we look at this theme and that can be really helpful in driving discussion kind of you know like you said guiding it towards an end goal you know having some overall theme in mind um yeah no and I think that everything you guys brought up is so valid like I struggle when there's a PowerPoint and a professor is reading off of it because it's like, you could just give me these slides and I'm also capable of reading. Mm -hmm. That was a requirement for me to get into college, guys. I can read. (laughs) Um, And so I think it can be a little redundant. And then also it's easy to really zone out because it's like you're reading the PowerPoint, professor's reading the PowerPoint. Even if they are adding in information, I often don't hear it because I'm getting through the chunk of text that's on screen. So... You know, I guess kind of coming off of those positives, but also some critiques, what is something that you're taking away from this experience? You know, do you feel like it was valuable? Are you glad you did it? You know, is there something that you feel like you're going to come away with that you wouldn't have had you not switched classes? I think this experience really made me realize, like, the structure of the classroom is very important when choosing classes. I feel like with both of the classes we went to, they were very interesting topics in, like, both humanities classes. So, like, it could have been really easy, like, for me or, like, anyone else to, like, be deciding between the two of them. And I think both professors were also really good. But I think for me, I do definitely prefer, like, a less structured, like, non-PowerPoint class that's really just based on discussion because I am a STEM major. Like, I got enough PowerPoints in my life. Like, I don't need <laughs> I don't need another class with that. But, yeah, I think that's a really good point that I'm going to take with me in the future when deciding classes. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, I think I more so just like gained insight on like the different types of classes that are available um, at Woman Mary. Because like, like I said, I, I'm only taking kinesiology classes right now. So had I not gotten to experience those two humanities classes, I mean, I would have never like known like, oh, you know, a different type of class than science. Because I just always packed on science classes. So what did you do for your like ALV? Um, like it, it was a science class. <laughs> Mm. Yeah, but I think but it was like an a arts proficiency. Yeah, <laughs> I'll have to look at my schedule, but I <laughs> haven't. I know I have nothing on there that's humanities or like oh wow. off that. I might have a philosophy, but that was um, um, a discussion class about biomedical ethics. ethics. So yeah. it's still science. Yeah. <laughs> that's hilarious. That's how I was when it came to like my oh my gosh, what is it like the numbers something values? I don't know. I like didn't want to take a math or a science class, so I took archaeology of Ireland instead, which was super fascinating. Um, so I feel that I, I avoided the subjects I did not want to take. Mm-hmm. Sorry, Jess, your takeaway. Oh, I don't know. I feel like there's a lot of value um, with going and seeing like how a professor works in the classroom. Um, I think it would be really helpful like if you're at the beginning of the semester and you're within the ad drop period and even if you're not signed up for a class something that like you're maybe thinking about and think maybe you can get an override into it just go Mm -hmm. like I know that's going to be a lot of hours out of your first week but I feel like it's going to be it's going to kind of pay off in the end because then you'll be actually taking like classes that you like and you get to you get to see how the professor acts like in that class I know I was signed up for like another class at the beginning of the semester and I went to the first session and the professor was so dry (laughs) and I was like, I am dropping this immediately. And you know, I have enough credits where like, I just didn't need to replace Mm -hmm. that class. But I think, you know, if I had wanted to like, that would, what that would have been the time to like go and see how other professors are in their classes. So I think just like going and like, having that experience, um, being able to see how, like, professors function in that class, how professors function in different classes. Because mm-hmm. sometimes, like, you know, if a professor is teaching an introductory course, it's going to be different than how they're teaching a higher-level course. So, Yeah. No, I totally agree. And I think that something that's kind of echoing throughout all of these takeaways is that it doesn't matter the subject matter of the course. It matters how the teacher, how the professor presents the subject matter. And the how is a lot more important than the what. And I know, you know, when I reflect back on my time as an undergrad, that was one of the biggest determining factors for whether or not I was taking a course. I've said this before on this podcast, but I found professors that I loved. I loved how they taught. I loved the passion they brought. And I followed them throughout my time. You know, they took They were teaching another course. I signed up for that course. And, you know, I think that sometimes you know, we can look at a class and it might look very interesting, but if the professor's dry, if they, you know, only do lecture based, you know, and they're not a good lecturer, like those things can absolutely ruin what would otherwise be a very interesting class. You know, so I think especially on this podcast, when we're talking about how can professors, how can faculty members engage with us, like that really kind of hammer ho- hammers home the need to have engaging courses. Because if your course isn't engaging, it doesn't matter how interesting or how flashy your title is, you aren't going to get students signed up. And, you know, so I guess kind of going off of this, could we maybe offer some ideas or just observations from either swapping classes or even just classes that you've been in that you've really enjoyed? You know, what 
what makes that class stick for you? What makes you decide, oh yes, I'm taking this class, I'm not dropping, I wanna be here? For me, it was really just like the agency that I felt like my professor gave the students. Mm. We really, I felt like we really had like control of the classroom and like what we talked about. And also just like the wide range of students that were in the class. Like last year I was a freshman and I like took call 100, call 150 and that was like humanities classes. Mm -hmm. But it was like all freshmen and like none of us knew what the fuck we were talking about. And like even if it was discussion, like the discussion would just be like, just strange sometimes like we would just be making shit up but like in this class we have like fifth year seniors we have sophomores we have english majors chemistry majors we have student athletes like we have so many different ranges of people that have so many different experiences mm -hmm. who can just provide so many different lenses to what we're talking about so yeah the diversity in the class was definitely a plus and then also just like having the ability to like freely speak mm -hmm. No, you go. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I think for me it's more so about like the delivery of the class. Like, like I said, I, I don't like really um, professors that just read off the PowerPoint. Like, if they make it engaging and make me want to actually come to the class, then I'm going to enjoy it. Which, having said that, out of like all this time I've been at school as a senior now, there's only like two classes that I've actually enjoyed. Oh, so, wow. yeah, the delivery of a lot of the classes I've taken just have not been great. Wait, what so, are the classes that? Um, I liked, uh, okay, surprisingly, I actually did like biomedical ethics. You would think it would be, like, really boring, but I think it was more so just the topics that we mm -hmm. did. Um, actually sitting there and discussing, it was fun. Uh, well, fun. <laughs> <It was> interesting. <laughs> and then we got to, like, write about it. So it was just different. I actually walked into that class thinking I wasn't going to like it at all. Um, but I guess the topic just helped out. And then the, the professor was really nice and just interesting. So that was like one of the classes that I enjoyed. But a lot of the other stuff that I took, yeah, no. <laughs> I just didn't enjoy. So it's more so just about delivery and then the content of the, the class. Mm -hmm. I would actually say one of the things that I kind of look for at the beginning of the class, and, you know, it's not going to be like a hard determining factor on whether I take it or not because obviously I feel like a lot of these classes are limited but um I look at the assignments mm. that the professors are giving like the major assignments because the classes that I really like to take are the ones that are like you'll do like one short paper one long paper and then like you have like a creative assignment where you can do mm -hmm. like whatever just get it approved by me and like that's how you're going to present this information that you've learned in the class um, I also, like, hate tests. Mm -hmm. I, I, I will take classes where, like, we have, like, a traditional midterm and a final, but, like, I just don't like that because I feel like it's, you're just, like, taking in all the information and then regurgitating it back out, and I feel like I'm not really, like, learning a whole lot through that, which yeah. is also why I prefer, like, even, like, just writing a paper, I prefer that because I'm, like, I can take that and go wherever I want with that information um, out of my brain, and I feel like that helps me to learn better. Um, but I feel like the professors that want you to present the information in a way that makes sense to you, that you're passionate about, are the professors that are going to be good professors, mm -hmm. that are going to, like, know what they're teaching, are passionate about what they're teaching, and want you to be passionate, too. So that's, like, one of the things that I always kind of look for and think is important in a class. Yeah, I 100% agree, and I know we've talked about experiential learning before on this podcast. I'm just throwing back to everything. Uh, Roy, you can just keep inserting the links for these previous <laughs> episodes. Um, but I do think that what I'm hearing is 
if we are in classrooms where we feel like we're all learning together, like the professor included, I think it makes for a more enriching experience. And, you know, sure, it might be easier if you've taught your class the same way for 20 years to just keep recycling and reusing old material. But, you know, it seems like in all the classes I've taken, and it seems like also from what you all are saying, the courses where students are kind of also helping to steer alongside the professor are the ones that are going to take you to the most enriching places. You know, because when you are following the passions of the class as well as the passions of the professor and diving into the subject matter that matters to you, you're going to create better projects. You're going to take away more. You're going to remember more. It's going to be more enriching. And, you know, I can't help but feeling that as, you know, for a faculty member, it would also be more fun to maybe not have the same paper to grade every semester for 20 years, you know? Like, I, I personally, if I were a professor, would enjoy listening to a podcast, watching a video, looking at a piece of artwork, as opposed to, like, having the same cookie-cutter assignment throughout. Like, that would get dry for me. So I think that, you know, the more ways that we can brainstorm to be more engaging in classes, to, you know, make it more instead of this power dynamic of lecturer and then student, you know, kind of evening the playing field a bit and having that kind of dual directionality and that dual control really helps make for a better classroom experience. Sorry, I, that was that was a whole lot. No, I agree. <laughs> this is the Steely Podcast. Uh, hi, I'm Jada. I'm a student partner here at Steely, and I'm here with William & Mary Professor Dr. Jerry Watkins. Hi, I'm uh, yeah, Jay Watkins in the History Department. Okay, uh, my first question, Jay, uh, do you recognize my face at all? Yes, whatsoever? vaguely. I, I, vaguely. I do recognize your face as having been, in, having been in class one day. Okay, so what if I told you that I actually came to your class with another student on October 26th? Would you believe me? Sure. Would you believe me if I said I had been a few times? Yes. Okay. So from that answer, I would assume you have a pretty flexible attendance policy. I do. I have a very flexible attendance policy. And, you know, during, during COVID, it became very clear that sometimes it's more important to let students make their decisions than have to panic about sending me an email and disclosing all kinds of things. And so I, during COVID, I, I gave that power back to students. I, and I say at the very beginning of class, I'm like, I trust that you will show up as often as you can. And I also trust that you are responsible enough to not come when you're sick or when you're just having stuff. Because, you know, as much as I, I would love for you to be there every day, I recognize that sometimes life just kind of happens. And mm -hmm. so, yeah, I, I, it's kind of free flowing and new faces show up all the time. Yeah, that's great. I think that COVID for a lot of uh, professors made them readjust and reconfigure what they feel is a good class and what they think the students need the best. So I'm wondering now, because of that flexible attendance policy, how do you structure your class so that those students that are missing out because they're sick or for other personal reasons, how do you structure it so that those students can get the full experience of your class? So I record all of my lectures. I, I try to teach Monday, Wednesday, Friday which I found for me is a really good way to Monday, Tuesday, or Monday, Wednesday lecture. And then on Fridays, we tend to do more activity things where we discuss whatever the article is of the week or 
you know, kind of smaller group work, but always Monday, Tuesdays recorded and posted on Blackboard. Um, that way students that miss those days can watch it, you know, kind of at their leisure. And then the Friday material, um, sometimes students will come in and talk through the material. Other times they will discuss it with students. Sometimes they just don't. So what I'm hearing is Fridays, there's no new material. It's really just digesting and being yeah. able to converse with other students. Yeah, Fridays is, is the time for us to, you know, I call it learning by doing. You know, so it's Monday, Monday, Wednesday, I'm kind of giving lecture, you know, some context to whatever the reading or, you know, however I've structured it that week. And then on, on Friday, yeah, we are just talking together and trying to learn through the material because what I found over the years is that students coming from so many different places have really interesting ways of reading material that, you know, at the beginning of the semester, I, I have an idea of what I want to teach that week, uh, but students oftentimes shock me in you know the really interesting ways they engage with material. And so Fridays, for me, are a really kind of special time that we get to learn together and that we get to kind of do this stuff in a more hands-on way that isn't me just giving information. Mm. I love that for you. That sounds, I love the whole philosophy of not just the professor teaching students, but also the teachers, the students teaching professors. I, I, I tell my students, like, I learn so much from my students every year that, you know, I, I'm, one of the things I love most about here particularly is, you know, the students have a habit of engaging. And so, you know, they, I, I learn a lot from students every semester and I try to foster ways that we can also learn from each other. Definitely. So you teach sex in America, right? That's one of my classes, yeah. Yes, one of your classes. Very popular here on campus. Very difficult to get into, I hear. Almost as much as my Queer South class. <laughs> yes. You fill up quick. You definitely do. Registration was sad for a lot of people, but I'm sure it was a happy day for you getting to be able to meet all these new students. So with such tough topics like these, with such broad generalized things that you could really just dive so deep into. How do you structure it so that you get all the information you want to in that one semester and make sure that every single student is getting away from that class that they came into with, if that makes sense? Um, so I'm lucky in the last few years there have been some really good kind of textbooky type collections for, so my Sex in America class, uh, a few years ago Kevin Murphy and others put together a book. The, Rutledge History of American Sexuality, I think it's called, something like that. And it's 36 chapters organized by theme. So abstinence, archives, marriage, romance, like that kind of thing. And it does a really good job of kind of this overview textbook, you know, um, type, you know, de delivery of information. And so I have that as kind of my base. And then thinking about what are what are the most useful topics? You know, so right now, this semester, I'm spending a lot more time on gender and sort of, and not just transness in the world, but gender just period in the world and kind of how we show up in the world because it's a really dangerous time for everyone uh, at the moment. And so I, I try to gauge at the start of the semester what's going to be more useful. Um, other times I also try to think about, you know, what, are, what might my students experience. And so we have a part of the, usually about a week on consent and sexual violence and, you know, what does all of that mean? And so 
once I have kind of those things, the things that I know I want to cover, the things that I know are going to be most useful, I try to then structure, okay, so thinking about a wide audience, what, what can I introduce that will help students think more critically about the world? So, you know, a lot of students in undergrad aren't necessarily thinking about marriage, but... Hopefully not. <laughs> yeah, and, you know, if you are, great, fantastic. Um, but the history of marriage um, is, is one that I think helps us kind of complicate our understandings of relationships and the structures of power in this country. And so that's kind of my third kind of add those in. Like, like what are some things that we can do an introduction of that then kind of help students think critically about many other things. Um, so that's kind of how I try to structure the class because you know it's only 15 weeks mm -hmm. and so rather than trying to cover super in-depth on everything I try to get more than the basics enough to teach them what they need to know but also enough that if they want to go out and do something more so my final project in that class is always open-ended you know research whatever it is like within the confines of the class whatever it is you are interested in and so I, I do that so that if there is something along the way in the semester the student is like oh this is you know really interesting they can go kind of further down that path that's great so you said that you sort of tried to gauge what the students might be wanting to learn do you do that through like just watching the news, seeing what the current events are in the world? Is there like a survey you give your students? Or? So I, I, I use the teaching evaluations. You know, some people may or may not read them. I, I really encourage students filling them out because I use them, you know, because it's really helpful for what worked, what didn't work. And so there's those, and then there's just kind of what's in the kind of zeitgeist, what's on Instagram, what's kind of floating around TikTok, what's in the news, what kind of, you know, being a cultural historian, I can kind of see and sometimes predict where things might go. And so it's easier then to plan for the semester. And sometimes things just fail miserably. You know? And, you know, there, there's, always, there's always kind of room and space for that. But, yeah, just kind of like what's around. And sometimes I adjust as the semester goes on. You know, there, this semester I switched two weeks, you know, at the start of the semester because we need to talk about something earlier than later. So there's, it, it, it's more than a feeling, but it's kind of a feeling collected. It's from, a vibe. It's yeah, a vibe, it's you know, vibe. from you know, an educated vibe based on kind of like paying attention yeah. to things, but it's a vibe. Slightly structured vibe. Slightly structured. Yeah. It, it's a, it is an educated guess. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> okay, so I know that you said um, your final project for this class. Um, is it a final exam of sorts, research paper? It's a research project. Uh, so okay. students can write a paper, students can do a podcast, students can do a sway, they can do... I had a student write a script for a television show one time, and I have a student this semester who has written a kind of like a, a first episode, second season of The Sex Lives of College Girls. Love that So like, like taking the first semester, or taking the first season and then using that and what we've learned in class to then write the first episode of the second season. And it's really interesting now because the second season has come out and she was right on a few things. It's it <laughs> fascinating. Um, like, so, you know, she had no way of knowing this because it literally just came out. But yeah, she, um, she was right about a couple of things. And so I had a student write a song one time. I had a student write an epic poem about the AIDS crisis one time. 
Um, so it, it, the, the project is, it has the requirement to be vaguely about sex within the confines of America, very like loosely defined America, um, and then research-based. So the, the student that wrote the epic poem um, did quite a bit of research. Um, I think that was, that was on the AIDS crisis. Did you know quite a bit of research on the kind of personal experience of the AIDS crisis. Listened to a lot of oral histories and that sort of thing. So it's not just fiction. It is you know kind of historical fiction, if you will. And so it gives them space to explore what they want. You know, research something they are interested in. And I've found over the years that if students are allowed to research what they're interested in, their work is that much more interesting. You know, early on in my teaching career at another university, I had a very limited, like, five topics you could write on for your final essay. And, you know, by the time I got to the 70th essay on, like, one of these five things, it was awful. I imagine. So, so kind of opening that up, it lets students have fun. It lets students research something they're interested in. And the, the freedom to create something different um, also kind of forces them to think creatively about how we tell history. And how we, because we are we are heading into a world where yes, writing is important, but so is communicating in a variety of media, and so taking on the challenge of building a website, taking on the challenge of you know writing a poem, you know taking on the challenge of writing a TV script, those are those are building skills that aren't traditional history, quote unquote, uh, but are certainly going to be useful in how we in how our students are showing up in the world as they graduate. Absolutely, and it's just going back to that two-way street of teaching and learning, like, you learn from that too. You don't have to sit there bored reading the fifth paper about gender inequality. You could branch out and you get to learn more about your students and you get to experience all these different types of mediums. It's not just great for the students, but for the professor as well. It's and really I, great. I've used some things in class. You know, there, there have been times when I, I have taken a student project. And I'm like, here's a student project, y'all. I have, I have assigned this student project to you because it is that good. So, yeah, it, it is definitely that two-way street of, you know, learning. And, yes, I know lots of things, but I also know that I know nothing. Yeah, I mean, you don't know what you don't know. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. That brings me to my next question. Could you maybe talk some more about how you assign um, – assignments throughout the year and how that might look with your students? So in specifically the Sex in America class, um, there are three short papers, three reflection papers. Um, one of them is specifically about sex ed, uh, because I have a week on sex education and the, hist- the lar- longer history of sex education. And a lot of students take that opportunity to reflect on their own sex ed, in whether it was in school or in church or their lack of sex ed in church. Um, or from parents, and then put that kind of in the context of my lecture that week on the history of sex ed. Um, and then another reflection is um, just kind of a general, like, is there a week that you are moved by? You know, is there a week that you are, you're like, huh, that, that, you know, that's interesting. There is, there is something here, and you want to express that on paper. Um, that gives them a chance to kind of go beyond the discussion on Friday to think more critically and to write it down in a way that is, you know, the, it's not necessarily formal writing, but it's more, it's kind of, I, I, I tell them to shoot for a voice that is professional. Um, and then the other reflection paper, I forgot what the other <laughs> one is. 
it's early, but it, like, but but those are kind of the idea. It gives them a it gives them a chance to analytically reflect on the material and their place um, and their relationship to the material and kind of what to do with that. I had a student several years ago um, took the week about uh, disability and sexuality, and his reflection was about dating as somebody with uh, an autoimmune condition and kind of what that what dating with an autoimmune condition looked like in COVID. It was like the first year of COVID where we like we went home in the semester. And so it was a really interesting way to kind of bring class together and demonstrated his thinking about these current issues literally right now in his life. Um, and so those are those are the throughout the semester assignments. And then yeah, just the final project, which is a much bigger because there's less writing during the semester, the final project therefore is Bigger, um, which I found, you know, er, in earlier iterations of the class, I did five short papers on a smaller project, and that's a lot to do during the semester. And then students kind of didn't have enough room, really, in the final project to get as expansive as I, as many of them wanted to. And so, cutting down some of the semester writing, but still keeping that core, reflect on the material, and giving much more space because I have to be conscious of workload. You know, there are kind of expectations in the history department of you know number of pages of writing number of you know sources read number of pages read and so kind of balancing all that out and giving them much more space in the final project uh the last couple semesters that i've taught the class has been has worked a lot better both for my workload grading during the semester for their workload and also they produce much better work when they're not having to you know produce something all the time they can take that time to reflect more and then produce this much bigger kind of more rich final project yeah, I love that you do that. I've been seeing a pattern with some more humanities professors that have really found a lot more value in lowering the workload and having students really focus on what they're doing instead of throwing hundreds and hundreds of papers at them and readings. It really helps the students actually pay attention to what they're reading and not just glance through. So I love that you have that iterative process of what you did wrong or what you could improve from the last semester to the next semester. I think that's really beautifully said. And every semester, I pay attention to the little part of the course evaluation that says, how much of the material did you read? <laughs> I, I'm assuming students are relatively honest about that. And so I, every semester, I evaluate what am I assigning. And not just the amount I'm assigning, but also you know, putting them in priority order. Because I also, like I, I say at the start of the semester, I'm like, there are just going to be weeks where we just can't. <laughs> where our brains are just over it, and we cannot read another article. If that's the case, start with the first one. The first one is in the syllabus is more is the most important and get to the others. Um, and so I, I try to recognize, here's all the things I want you to read, but we're human. And so getting students to at least read the most important is, it also helps them, you know, have more mental space when they are reading most of the material and also taking time to have a break. I love that. So what I'm hearing is you don't assign like weekly, oh, you have to read this this week, this next week, but it's more so like at the beginning of the semester, there's a list and you as a student can choose from this list what you have time for and what you'd like to engage with. Oh, no, no, no. E each week has its okay. kind of set readings. Uh, okay. You know, so, so around the topic of marriage, there's a chapter from the textbook and there's an article about nostalgia and... There was 
one other thing. And so I put those in order. And so each week, you know, because like I'm assuming, because you know, what I've noticed over the years about William & Mary students is that they, they, they strive to do the work. And we really do. Yeah, like, you know, they, and, and that's phenomenal. Yeah, and I we love, love that. to impress. And, but you know, like, but like I said, sometimes we just have an off week where there's a ton of other stuff or we're not feeling well or whatever. And so trying to be aware of that each week, I have them in kind of priority order and, you know, read all of it by Monday, at least by Friday. And if you can't read all of it, read as much as you can, assuming also kind of trusting that for most of the time, they will read as much as they are capable of handling that moment. And, and that's, a, that's putting a lot of faith in my experience of William & Mary students is that most of the time they're going to be doing all of the reading and giving them the flexibility of, you know, not adding extra anxiety and stress that, you know, if you, if you just can't do it, that's fine. Take this week. I love that you trust your students with that responsibility. I wish there were more faculty that trusted us and had more faith in us because we could really, yeah. Okay. I have discovered over the years that when I, and some students are, at the start of the semester, they're, they're really um, anxious about the, f the amount of freedom that I give. Oh, really? Um, there's, a, there's, a, there's a kind of, um, and, and I, I've experienced it too, when I, when I have all the time and all of the space, I don't even know where to begin because there are so many possibilities. Oh. Um, and the, and, but then once, once they kind of like learn the contours, they are much more expansive. And they, and they show up and they do things in, I think, really interesting ways when I give them the, when I give them the trust that they're adults. And, you know, they will, they, they will do the things if I give them the space to do it. Welcome back to the Steely Podcast. Engage with us. Um, I think for me, if I was a professor, I would just try to be really, not overly accommodating, but just understanding. Like, I feel like right now there's just a major disconnect between professors and students. Um, they just don't, I feel like they don't really put in much effort to try to understand that every student is different and every student's going to understand stuff at a different timeline or just in a different way or process in each other. So if I was a professor, I would just make sure I'm like an open mindset to what type of students are in my class. I'm not going to put everyone into one bubble that you all should understand this topic by this day for the exam. Like just understanding and knowing that everyone's going to process stuff differently. And with that, making my content for the class understandable. Like I feel like um, professors now, they just, they make their content of their or structure of their class to their understanding and mm -hmm. just think that mm -hmm. because you're in their class you're going to understand it because I'm a professor and I understand it so you're going to as well so I feel like that's just something that I would try not to do and just I don't know make it understandable to every type of person just like understand that not everyone's the same mm -hmm. I think that's a really really good point about like the timeline of learning like mm -hmm. I know for me specifically like Am I like, for example, my multivariable calculus class, like math classes are like generally like cumulative in nature. So like 
once I move on to like a different part that's like more advanced, I understand like the part that we just learned a lot mm, better. Like yeah. if we like learn like derivatives and then we take a test, I'm not gonna know it as good as I will mm. if I'm doing antiderivatives. So yeah, I think that was a really good point. Mm-hmm. I think if I were a professor, well, I would definitely be teaching in the humanities. <laughs> yeah, um, <laughs> same. I think some of the classes that I've enjoyed the most, professors will assign um, like work to do outside of class that is like different forms of media. Yes. Like I have a professor that will like assign like podcasts to listen to and I really like that because like I like to listen to podcasts like while I'm doing other stuff, like if I'm like cleaning and that way I can like do my work and also do this other thing that I have to do just to like, you know, live. Um, but like that watching like short videos or movies doing and like in addition to doing like regular readings which is all of my classes are reading heavy um but really just having like that kind of good mix in there so like you're not doing a million readings all the time and also like making sure that like some of the readings are maybe like more public facing pieces versus academic Mm -hmm. or like some of it is like like, if some of it's, like, philosophical, like, not all of it is going to be that in-depth because I am not a philosophy major for a reason. <laughs> um, but thinking about that, making sure that, like, um, the class is accessible. Mm-hmm. So, like, the language that they're using is accessible in these readings. Like, making sure that you're having accommodations for the people who need it, even if they aren't getting it through, what is it, SAS? SAS yeah. Even if they're not getting it through that, because, like, sometimes people still need accommodations that they are waiting to hear back from or mm-hmm. for whatever reason. Um, I always appreciate my professors that like take into account like the problems that I have personally and like are able to work with me through that and not just like ignore the fact that like certain students are gonna have different needs than other students and like you can't teach your class the same way to every single person. Yeah, no, I really want to echo. I was thinking about like, okay, if I were teaching a course, what would I include in like the mixed media and having different types of assignments? Like that would absolutely have to be present. I would also probably be teaching a humanities course. But when I reflect on my favorite classes, it was, they were ones where, you know, maybe one week we had a movie to watch. The next we had a podcast. Then we had to read some newspaper articles. And then we had to read a book. And then we watched some television episodes. And, you know, there was one maybe central theme, but we attacked that theme through a variety of media and a bunch of different sources. And I think something else important, like for the actual structure of the class is discussion-based. You know, I and really letting students kind of lead discussion, you know, having, okay, this is our theme, this is the episode we watched, let's talk about it. Because I think that when you let students decide what they took out of, you know, the assignment, that's gonna bring you to a better place than you trying to put some preconceived, like, I want them to get this. Like, what did they get? Maybe the, you know, point that you wanted to make was lost and they found something else instead. And so I think having a student-driven course is super important and would be important to me if I were a faculty member, but also having a variety of assignments. Because I think that when you have just one type of assignment throughout the entire semester, it gets dry, it gets boring, and it also gets stressful because like the more I do it, the more I'll put it off. (laughs) Like I'll just Mm -hmm. keep waiting because I'm like, "Ah, I've written an essay three times. I'll just wait till like the day before. So I think, you know, switching up the type of assignments is also important. Yeah. 
I want to kind of agree and also disagree yeah. on the point that you made. Go for it. Because I, I do appreciate when classes are more driven by the students mm-hmm. when, and, like, their discussion and, like, what they kind of took away from, you know, whatever they're learning about. But as someone who has terrible social anxiety, that can be really intimidating. And mm-hmm. I feel like a, a lot of the classes that I've been, like, well, I'm not going to say a lot. But there have been some classes that I've been interested in that I don't take because participation is a large portion mm-hmm. of your grade. And Ooh, I'm so like, I don't like that. I'd like to be able to participate when I feel comfortable. Sometimes I'm just having like a bad social mm-hmm. anxiety day. And sometimes I'm feeling better about it and I'm engaged with the topic. And like then I'm more inclined to participate. But like knowing that there's a grade attached adds more anxiety to the anxiety that I already have. So having discussion be like part of the grade is like not something that I would do as a professor. No, no, I, I don't know if I was clear on that. I would absolutely, because I agree, you know, anytime that it is a requirement that I participate or a requirement that I go to office hours, I automatically don't want to. Like it, it gives me like this weird, like I have to otherwise, like there's like, a, I don't know, there's like something attached to it, like this weight of like, I have to. That's so no, yeah. double edged sword of academia like, yeah i wouldn't mind my oracle lab so much if it wasn't graded in four hours long but i have to <laughs> mm-hmm. so yeah no i think kind of going off of that like i guess what i was trying to say is i think it's more enriching when students who have something they want to say feel like they can say it and that they can kind of drive conversation in that direction if it's something that they're like interested in. But I don't think that we need to make it like a requirement that you have to bring something. Cause sometimes, you know, you read a reading and you're just kind of like, that was that. Like, I don't know what you want me to say. Like it was kind of straightforward. I didn't get anything out of it. And then sometimes like I've been in a class where I've read something and I'm like, oh my gosh, like I know we're not talking about this, but can we please look at this one facet that I think is super interesting. That's why I think all grades should just be made up of extra credit. Like, it doesn't take <laughs> yeah. anything away from you if you I don't like do it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Cause I think, you know, it makes me wonder like when we attach like value to learning that is like measurable. Yeah, numerical then I think, values. Yeah. Like, what is a number? What is a number? It's a social construct. Truly. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I think, I, I wonder how much better learning would be if we didn't have to like, I don't know, I don't want to say mod, not like, like yeah, it, monetize, you know, monetize it. it yeah. But you know, like, yeah, like <laughs> if it was just like learning for the sake of learning, you know, how much further could we go? Mm-hmm. The big questions. Yeah, I was going to say, I feel like we could go a lot further because, I mean, there's all the stresses with, like, trying to memorize everything by a certain due date or whatever, certain date to take an exam, whereas, like, if we could just learn and, I don't know, discussion or, I don't know, something where you're not just overly stressed. Because I feel like with me, I'm just always stressed. Mm -hmm. Like, like I said, there's only been one or two classes where um, I actually enjoyed them, but that doesn't mean I wasn't still stressed. Like, it would be nice to... I don't know, in a world experience learning without the stress. It's just actual enjoyment. Like, mm-hmm. I don't feel like I need to memorize all this stuff and then walk into the class. Because, like, memorizing stuff, I'm not actually learning it. I'm memorizing it yeah. so I can get to the exam, answer the questions, and then right after that exam, exactly, I forget, yeah. forget everything. And then I you got to make more yeah, room for the more New memorization for yeah. exam, too. So, I don't know. In a different world, I don't know how you can change that. Ooh. Yeah. yeah. Uh, an idea. <laughs> what if instead of 
testing during college? Because I know some like professions, like you actually have to know this information. Like you can't be a surgeon and not understand things. What if you had to test to get into the profession as opposed to testing to get a degree? You do have to test to get into a I mean, you do, you do, but you know, like how would that change things if like, you know, let's say you had to take certain classes, but you didn't care about them. So you didn't like really put that much into them Mm -hmm. and it was okay. You didn't get penalized Mm -hmm. for it. And then the classes that you loved, you could like throw your whole heart into and just like really get a lot out of. Yeah. I think with that, maybe we could flip it like where if you know what profession you want to do, if you're only learning stuff for that. Or, like, if they made, like, I don't know, like, a simulator class where you're, like, actually getting to experience what that job is, mm-hmm. and then that's how you're testing. Because right now, that's how, yeah. that's how I feel schools. about my yeah. research lab. Like, I want to go into, like, material science research, and, like, I enjoy the lab, but I don't enjoy my orgo lab because it's, like, graded, and, like, I have to, like, do quizzes, and, like, I don't, like... I don't mind like working with like the experiments and like I feel like I would enjoy Order Lab a lot more because it is like fun stuff we do like turning stuff into crystal like that's pretty exciting but it becomes not exciting really fast when it's graded and I have to show up every single time or or I have to print out the lab reports that sometimes like dozens of pages and I get penalized if I don't and it's it's just like ugh. yeah I really don't in that sense, I really don't understand STEM. the point of grades, especially in STEM, which is, well, I'm not going to say especially in STEM, but because it's like, if you get a C on your test, but like, you're not going to go back over that material and you've like finished the class with the C, you still pass. You still pass the class, which means that like, you do, you don't apparently need to know every single little bit of information. So then why do you need to, like, kind of put that on a grading scale? Like, if you need everything, then you should be going over everything that people got wrong on the exam, and, like, then there's no point in the grade, or it doesn't matter, and then there's no point in the grade. So... (laughs) Yeah, no, and I think that's, like, something that, you know, we've talked about before, and it's it's difficult because it's, like, you know, should it just everything be a pass-fail basis? Like, you know, would that take away letter grades and just make it pass-fail, but then... You know, does that solve things or not? This is the Steely Podcast. Engage with us. What did you learn about your colleagues from the classes that you went to Mm -hmm. with them and just from this whole experience of being Lindsay Lohans? What did you learn? (laughs) I think I learned that Jada likes to have balance. I mean, with with all your STEM classes, that's definitely a lot. And I think I've learned that you enjoy both, well, yeah, you enjoy both STEM, at least in some regard, mm-hmm. in, as well as like the humanities. Um, and that the balance kind of allows you to maintain at least some level of mental health. <laughs> so, yeah, it's actually funny you say that because like last year, like during registration, I actually was like going to like register for like two humanities and like two STEM, but I was like, I don't like reading and writing all that much, so let me just do one. And it worked out really well. I really like having like three STEM, one humanities. I like that kind of balance. So yeah, it was really nice. Um, I guess I would say something that I learned about Jess. Um, 
I don't know. I'm sorry. The class really didn't make that much of an impression on me. But I guess something for, like, Zari, Zariel. I think that you really like to, like, get to the chase with things. Like, you like to, like, do it and be done with it. Yeah. 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 Um, I think what I learned from Jada is you like engaging in stuff. Like, just, like, doing this podcast. Like, just speaking up and don't mind speaking first sometimes. You just like really engaging classes because that class, Black Playwrights, um, was a discussion class and like, everyone just giving their opinion on like the different readings and doing presentations and stuff like that. So it's just very, you give like a very engaging, like characteristic and personality trait. And then for Jess with the Sex in America class, I don't know, I feel like you just give a very, a chill vibe. Like you <laughs> like so chill true. professors, chill classes. I do. Um, like, like you really classes. don't mind if the professor is just going to sit there and read off the PowerPoint because I mean... It, I guess that's like yeah. seen as like maybe an easy structure for some people that just like that very mellow and like chill type of classroom. Yeah. I well, also when feel all... like, oh, oh no. I also feel like it's kind of like a difference because I'm like a sophomore and you two are like seniors, so mm -hmm. it would be easy for you to like just like get it over with and like not have to really like deal with all that. But like I have like three more years, unfortunately. <laughs> and I guess for me, like, I am, like, still, like, new to the whole college thing, so, like, I really do just, like, want to, like, get the best out of it with all this money I'm paying. I, I do need to get the best out of it. Yeah, yeah something I think I've kind of noticed, even just as we were talking, and this can kind of be a good summation, you know, there's a diversity of students, and there's also a diversity of faculty, and I don't think we've really hit on that. And you know, I think sometimes it can be very valuable to have those options because we all are different. And some of us appreciate a more mellow, a more laid back, a more structured course where some of us want something that's more fluid and engaging. And, you know, so I think when it comes down to it, to, you know, be a, a good class, to have a good professor, you know, we need to have a wide variety. And I think, you know, just really making an effort to show up for students to let them know that you care that you're there and you know kind of meeting them where they're at and you know as students meeting your professor where they're at too you know it's a two-way street and you know we need both types of classes we need both types of professors and we need all these kinds of students and you know what at the end of the day nobody ended up in a mattress in the middle of the lake so I'd say our little parent trap class swap was successful. Oh, you were watching a movie. <laughs> that was a good callback. Oh, <laughs> Thank you. I was really confused. I was like, was Wait, what? Like what? a scenario yeah. and like the crystal? Like, 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 yeah, I was like, does this happen in one of your classes? Like, <laughs> like what's going what? on? No, it was a callback. Watch Parent Trap if you oh, haven't. It's pretty good. It is good. Yeah. <laughs> this is the Steely Podcast. All students considered. Engage with us. You can follow us wherever good podcasts are sold. For more content, you can visit us on our website, steely.wm.edu.